Hello, my friends. It's your brother Hampton from Hybrid Calisthenics. We're here doing a late night podcast on happiness. Now, this comes from a request that I've had for a while now, and certainly not one I ever really expected when I first started making fitness content. And that is, some people find my voice pleasant. <laughs> I know, right? I never really thought that, but some people said they found my voice pleasant, and I got a common question. Um, that's asked a lot and certainly upvoted a lot. Uh, if I have a podcast, and I do, because people and they said they want to listen to me to either relax, to sleep, or while they drive, or just just really relax. I think that's the best way to summarize it. And if you're listening to this, you probably know, you might know, I do have a podcast. But the problem with my actual podcast is, I usually get a little bit excited, and my voice may be. Might not be quite as pleasant. I get excited, my pitch rises, and I start speaking a lot faster. So for this one, it's going to meander a bit. Not certainly, certainly not something that's a focused video.、Uh, really, just some thoughts on happiness, which I do find it is, it is something I want to share.、Um, and it won't be focused. It'll just meander around that topic, and I may talk about. I may go on certain tangents. So I hope you like it. Oh, and while it plays, I'll go ahead and put this video of me doing leg raises. It's an outtake for a video shoot I did, and I think I was supposed to shoot it in vertical for this one, but I shot it in horizontal. <laughs> so I kept it because I thought it, it looked interesting. So happiness is something I do get asked about a lot. I get certain questions like, "What do I do if I don't like myself? What if I do if I'm always unsatisfied with where I am? I want to be more. I want to be. I want to do this, but I can't. I just can't do it." And certainly. I think probably depression and certain things like anxiety, possibly like OCD, have gone up since the lockdown began. Unfortunately, isolation fosters depression, and I'm basing that off the messages I get and the content thereof. I'm sure there are certain statistics to support it. I don't have it on hand, but I get a certain, I get a number of messages every day, and I've noticed some of them are about depression and anxiety and people who. Don't really like themselves, and I do salute them for reaching out to me and trying to improve themselves that way. So many things can affect our happiness, both mental and physiological, I guess, for lack of a better term, in the sense that the food you eat and your lifestyle affect, greatly affects your happiness and just your life, just your life overall, really.、Um, but for this moment, for today, I think I'm going to discuss. More the mental aspect of things because that is very important. I talk about a lot of things because mindset is everything. You know, I say a lot of things are everything. Like happiness is everything, mindset is everything. But in this case, mindset, if not everything, is very important. And one thing I often bring up is something I call the iPhone effect. Now, some people relate it to comparison, which yes, it does regard that. I think it's slightly different, but it's regarding this idea that when the iPhone first came out. Everyone wanted it, and that if you had it, at least in my friend group, and from a lot of what I saw, there was a lot of media hype and hoopla about it, about this new iPhone. And for me, it really didn't look that different, or that different enough to gain all the notoriety that it was getting. But I was wrong because smartphones eventually became a very big thing, as we can see. But now, no one has an iPhone. No one has. The first generation iPhone that I even know, I, I'm not even sure if it would work. I think certainly with 
I know with 5G, they're saying a lot of straight talk phones will have to be upgraded. So I imagine there are certain circuits in the first iPhone that would cause it to certainly not work as a phone, perhaps. I, w I shouldn't say certainly, but perhaps not work as a phone, as in being able to call and text. Uh, if it could even have internet would be a different question. But no one I know has the first generation iPhone. And that was only, I think, 12 years ago. 12 years ago, you were living on the edge if you had the first generation iPhone. And now you'd be a dinosaur. You'd be considered so far behind the times, even more behind the times than Hampton, who didn't really see the future of smartphones when the iPhone came out. <laughs> and the only thing that's really changed in those 12 or 13 years, I think it was 2007, the only thing that's really changed that, that's gone from us being really happy to have one to being almost depressed to have one, I think is just the sense that there's more out there. And it's the sense that other people have more or I could have more. That's why I'm unhappy, even though I have this iPhone that eat not like a little bit more than a decade ago was the cutting edge of technology. Now, we're not really getting into the technical aspects like I have a phone that can't work on any network out here. That's separate. I mean, you could use any other thing to substitute the iPhone. I'm just using the iPhone as an example. And network companies like AT&T and Verizon, they're just an example as well. They know that there's this effect that people want the newest thing. You know, I mean, what, they release phones year in, year out. The, their previous model is working fine, or certainly they could wait longer to release new models, but they're more profitable by putting out something. Like if you have some, if you have a phone that has the letter, sorry, the letter eight, it has number eight, and you know there's one with the number nine out there, some people feel so far behind just to own that phone. They feel depressed that someone has more than they do. And this, I think, is a dangerous mindset, and it's a very common one. And it's representative of this idea that our sense of belonging and our happiness and our peace of mind is relative to the other parts of the universe. It's not absolute. This idea, this concept is so interesting to me that if you were frozen in space-time and nothing changed about you and somehow every part of your immediate situation was the same and you were simply transported like 15, 20 years in the future, there's a chance you could be unhappy because even though nothing about you changed, things around you changed, and your standing around the world changed. Now, we all like to think, well, some of us like to think, that we are not part of this group. Our happiness depends on us, we have great control over how we feel, we are not envious of others, we control our own destiny, we think rationally. But I think both from my experience, perhaps your experience, and multiple scientific studies have shown that we are not as logical and rational anywhere near so as we think. And it's true in this instance as well. Even those of us who do not consider ourselves dependent upon other people, those of us who think that we are independent and we control our happiness, may fall victim to this at least sometimes. And some may argue, well Hampton, I think this is good. We should push ourselves. We should be unhappy when someone passes us. If we're all running in this race and someone passes us, it'll push us to go faster. In this way, we can make the strongest machine, the sharpest knife, the most absorbent toilet paper. And yes, I think that's very true. In fact, I have this myself. I'm naturally fairly competitive, even if I try not to be too much so. <laughs> but my counter to that is that these two things, ambition and happiness, can run in tandem. We can be ambitious and happy at the same time. We can love ourselves 
and want to improve ourselves at the same time. And I would even argue that happiness does not necessarily dilute your ambition. You can have peace of mind and satisfaction and know and wake up every day, I don't want to be cliche, but be thankful that you're a human being, maybe even lucky enough to be living in a first world country. I know not everyone listening to this is in the Western world or first world country. Some are in third world countries. And even some people in third world countries are thankful that they have basic shelter, food, and water. So it's my opinion that if you're listening to this and you are holding on to some unhappiness because you don't think you deserve it, or you think it's driving your ambition, that you can at least experiment with being both ambitious and happy because it definitely is possible. So the point to all of this and the conclusion is that most of us, if not all of us, should recognize the concept that our happiness is contingent on how we think we stack up to others. Having recognized this, we should seek to minimize it, especially if it's about something extraordinarily illogical like a smartphone, or if we're just punishing ourselves a lot mentally by, let's say my name is Bob, it's Bad Bob. You didn't get that promotion, Mike got it instead. You lazy lummox, why didn't you work harder? Why didn't you do that extra night? Why didn't you push that paperwork? Why didn't you make that connection with that one person at that one party? And I say that almost jokingly, but this is a real thing where some people convince themselves that they've done wrong and they're self-punishing by being unhappy, by saying, I don't deserve happiness because I did this one thing, because I messed up. Now it may surprise some of you that are listening, especially some of those that kind of know my content, when I say that this in moderation is sometimes good. I think it's okay to dwell a little bit on your mistakes, not so much to where it depresses you and you're beating yourself up, but enough so perhaps to where it imprints in your mind the next time you're about to make a similar mistake to not do so. Kind of like how if you twist your arm doing this certain exercise, you remember not to do it next time. Pain can destroy us if there's too much, but it can also be an excellent teacher. And while we're bringing up controversial subjects, I want to mention that this idea that comparison is the enemy to happiness, that comparing ourselves to other makes us unhappy, I do agree with that to some extent. I mean, certainly so that I brought up and I talked about the iPhone effect for several minutes now. But comparison can also give birth to ambition, and that is very good in my opinion. And again, that idea may surprise some people. So you've heard of this concept of someone being a big fish in a small pond, or <laughs> our town's pretty small, it'd be a big fish in a puddle. If you think you're the best or almost the best at something when you're really not, it can slow down your progress. For example, if I were born in a small village of 500 people and I was easily the best at doing push-ups, I could do 25. I could do a whopping 25 push-ups and I guess no one else in the village can do anywhere near that. They could do like two or three. And even if I were not inherently an arrogant person, that comparison to other people to where I don't know anybody else might stop me from improving myself. If you think you've reached maximum level, you stop leveling. And one day if I meet someone else that can do even more push-ups, like 35, <laughs> then I might be inspired to be like, oh, I didn't realize this was possible and I'll push myself more. And that, I think, outlines the difference. Comparison is the enemy of happiness, but comparison can also give birth to very good inspiration and ambition. So when we see someone that's further along in their journey, further along than we are, some people look at that and they feel depressed because they think, well, I have all this way to go. But instead, and I think the better mindset is look at that and you are inspired by the possibility by, I didn't realize someone could go that fast or that far. Again, using the push-up example, had I not known anyone else, I might have just assumed the natural human limit for push-ups is 25. 
So when we see someone better or better off or better at something than we are, I advise you instead not to be depressed by them being further along, but be inspired by the possibility. If you spent two years building your business and it's just starting to make an income, and you notice someone who one month in is making a million dollars a year, that's good news because theoretically you're only one month away from making a million dollars a year as well. When we see certain prodigies in any field, we can take inspiration and study their methods, even if they're not very nice people because that does happen. <laughs> and from the flip side, if you're doing better than someone else and someone is trying to bring you down with their hate, or it could be an online comment or in person, they just seem like they don't like you, like they naturally seem unpleasant to you, they may very well be feeling inadequate at your progress. And your natural reaction may be, well, that's just too bad. If they're jealous of me, well, maybe they should work harder. And yes, th while that is true, uh, we also have the option of showing some compassion and recognizing that some people are only hating on us because they're not doing well. They can't really process their emotion and they're conveying that through jealousy, dislike, and aggressiveness, perhaps. When we recognize this, we can just shrug it off and offer them a helping hand. Not necessarily in the field that you're in, for example, in business or in doing push-ups to use our prior two examples. Sometimes we can help people just by showing them kindness. Take the perspective that they're probably expecting your reaction to be negative because they're acting negative and this is likely not the first time they've done this. They may show a lot of hatred to other people. And I know from personal experience, lots of personal experience, that if you react to someone's hatred with compassion and kindness, it sometimes just blows their mind. They sometimes literally don't know what to say. And if you do this, you take a chance and you have a possibility of breaking the chain. You're ending their chain of negativity, which is probably started by someone else and someone else before that. You're stopping it with you. Not always, just to give you a disclaimer, not always. Sometimes they look at that and they go, huh, and it confuses them for a moment. Then they leave or, and they do whatever and they go on and they just forget about it. Or you may create a new chain. Because you were nice in the face of their negativity, they now realize they have the option of this because they've been exposed to this the next time someone is negative to them. So yeah, two things. Most people, when they're being hateful and negative, know they're being hateful and negative even if they claim innocence. This is often bred from their own insecurity, which often came as a reaction from someone else. Many people don't realize they have an option on how to get rid of this. They only know how to get rid of negativity by passing on to someone else. So when you're the combo breaker and you react with niceness to negativity, that teaches them about that new option. Now you may choose not to, you may have the mindset of, why should I? They're the ones being negative, they're the ones that are unable to handle their emotion, and they're attacking me even though I am not to blame. And yes, you certainly have the option, the freedom not to do this. But if you are someone who is more Machiavellian, perhaps, where the ends justify the means, and you may not want to do something if you don't think it benefits you, you may still want to try this, because it may come back to you in unexpected ways. When we're giving in kind, that's an act of creation. When we're negative and hateful, that's an act of destruction. And when we create, things happen. That's something I advise a lot of people who say they feel like they're stuck, is to create. When we create, things happen. By create, I mean create music, you can write poems, you can create art, you can record music, you can edit music, and you can create relationships. When we give to others, or in this case, if they're insulting you and you're being kind, you're conceding to others, we can create relationships. The reason why I think this is neat and why it's interesting that so many people refuse to do this is that it's ROI positive regardless of what happens. 
If someone is taking time out of their day to try to bring us down and we react to this by ignoring it or laughing it off, there's this common mindset of we lose from that. And if we lose to this verbal judo, so to speak, it feels like we've lost the conversation. But are we? What are we losing? Is there a tally in the sky? A scoreboard that keeps track of every argument we've won and lost? I don't think there is. Otherwise, I'd be trying to win more arguments. You can argue you're losing respect, but if you're planning on responding angrily, you may not care about that person's respect anyway. This, I think, is an interesting realization. That if someone from their own insecurity is trying to bring you down, and your self-esteem and your peace of mind is strong enough, you can actually react in a way that brings them up without taking any damage yourself. Sometimes that person isn't even really trying to do you harm. They know they're being a bit negative, but in their mind they think they're helping. For example, if someone gives you criticism or a backhanded compliment on the jeans you're wearing. Some people's self-worth is tied into their self-determined ability to give criticism to others. That's a different subject we'll talk about another day. But if I recognize someone has this, I often thank them for their backhanded compliment, compliment them on being able to notice that, and just move on. And if we have enough self-awareness, we can actually take their comments and use that to improve ourselves, potentially. Just because some comments are made in a negative manner doesn't mean they're not true. For example, if someone said, Hampton, I think your podcast is really stupid. I can't understand anything you're saying. You speak way too fast. I don't need to pay any attention to the first two parts, but there may be some truth to me speaking too fast. In this case, there's definitely some truth to me sometimes speaking too fast. <laughs> By the way, that was entirely hypothetical. No one has said that to me about the podcast or anything I've done. Most of you have been very nice, so thank you. On the other hand, again, if we have self-awareness, we can determine if something is wrong. For example, if someone said, Hampton, your content is stupid, calisthenics is useless, it's pseudoscience. I would ask why and I would consider it, but I would recognize that their answer is probably just going to be them talking out of their butt. So that's a concept I just casually breezed by, but self-awareness is actually very important for long-term happiness, in my opinion. In this case, we can use self-awareness as a platform to leverage either humility, to recognize that someone's insults, while potentially hurtful, were partially right, or self-esteem to recognize that their insults may be entirely wrong. Self-awareness is a concept and a term that I've been using more and more recently. It's definitely something I want to bring up in a future episode of this. If we make a future episode of this, it'll depend on how people react to it. Self-awareness is very closely tied with introspection when we study ourselves. And this is a very important practice, both for happiness and just for life. And this is the point where I think I'll begin to wrap up. It looks like we're closing in on 19 minutes. I'm not sure if that's long enough for people to listen to, especially if they're trying to listen to it to fall asleep. But even with the somewhat unfocused meandering of my thoughts and words, I still wanted to go with quality over quantity. Please let me know what you think, and also let me know if you have any suggestions on what you'd like for me to read or talk about. I'd like to get a few about an hour long, or perhaps 50 minutes. And for this one, I think I'm going to layer some soothing zen music in the background. Let me know if you like that. This is your brother Hampton from Hybrid Calisthenics, and we'll talk soon.